You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcombe and I'm here with my friend Fred Long. Fred, how's it? Good. Good. How are you doing? Yeah, doing all right. Great. Um, yeah, so uh, today we are back in Galatians, and um, we're edging uh, ever so closely to the end of chapter one, which we've been uh, hanging out in for a while. Today we're going to pick up at uh, 21, and um, probably squeeze in 22 there as well. We'll we'll see how it goes. Um, Verse 21 is uh, pretty pretty brief, uh, but we uh, get, of course, another adverb. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read this, and uh, then we can discuss it, Fred. Sounds uh, great. Yeah, begins this way. Epita elthon ista klimata te sirias ke te kilikias. Yeah. All right. You can read 22 as well? Um, Sure, I can do that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Emende agno menos to prosopo tes ecclesias tes iudes tes in Christo. All right. So uh, we see uh, in 21 the epita, um, epita. So this is the conjunction or the adverb that we saw at the beginning of verse 18. And it's, it's showing a night uh, a sequence. Mm-hmm. So next in sequence, uh, and in this case, it it kind of functions as a conjunction. I would say it can, it's certainly a connector. Um, in terms of you know we're not seeing any connectives except this this adverb, which is kind of a connecting adverb, um, kind of intersentential. Well, it really is more like an idea, like a time sequencing kind of connector. Yeah. So then we have elthon, uh, one of the dirty dozen second heiress verbs that you learn when you're in beginning Greek. Really, there's a, probably a dirty couple dozen uh, such verbs that have stem changes. I came. So then I came into ista klimata te surias ke te Silicias um, into Syria and uh, Kilikias, um, Sicily, Sicilia, Cilicia. I mean, Cilicia. There you go, Cilicia. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get it eventually. Sicily. Yeah, no, he's in Syria and Sicilia, Cilicia. I mean, Cilicia. Or we (laughs) could, we could, uh, we could. I, I suppose use their more common designations, right? Syria, uh, where he's typically referring to Antioch and uh, Cilicia is actually his his old stomping ground, right? Tarsus, where he's from. Um, yeah, so yeah. we're thinking of uh, southeastern Turkey when we think of Cilicia and we're thinking of sort of uh, the just to the east of that, when we're thinking of Antioch, right near the uh, north of, well, not near, but quite a bit a ways north of uh, Jerusalem and 
uh, those sorts of things. So uh, Asia Minor, as it would have been called. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So how long was he there? Oh man, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it depends on how long you're thinking. Uh, you know, w what do you do with the th the three years that you did before? What it, What do you think? Is this eight years, something like that? I don't know. Do we know? Yeah, I don't uh, know. We just we just had three years after. And then we don't have any other time designations except that he's been 15 days. And then, yeah, I mean, so it could be within the same year, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, we really just don't know how long it is. We do get uh, 14 years, and, there, and that's in 2 1, and that's with DIA through. Yeah. 14 yep. years now that i think then begins to help us i think that may be the uh, the uh not the additive or summative but the reference point after uh being uh, uh with christ god revealing christ in him so that would be 14 points to that point since his conversion or his uh, his turning around yeah, so if you if you think of if you take those three years and then you add to fourteen, right? So you got eleven, but it it could be as few as nine, right? Depending on how you count years, uh, like you were talking about in a previous episode. Um, so it's a little yeah, it's a little challenging uh, to work out the chronology here. It's not necessarily um, impossible, but it's certainly challenging. Uh, yeah. you, you get, uh, is it in Acts 11, 26, 20, 25 and 26? Yeah, 25 and 26, uh, where he's got Barnabas with him. And yeah. uh, he, he goes to Tarsus, right, which is in Cilicia. Or sorry, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. So we know he's there and he found him. And he brought him to Antioch. So it's the same place, right? It's it's Syria and Cilicia. It's just by two different names. And it says, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, which is Syria. Yes. Um, and then we yeah. get during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Um, yeah. And so then in Acts eleven twenty eight, that's where I'm at. One of them named Agabus stood up. And through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Uh, this happened during the reign of Claudius. Um, and we're going to hear uh, about Paul in Galatians uh, responding to, uh, uh, I think it's another revelation, but there's some connection with this. Uh, well, I'll come back to that, but. I think what we get there in Acts 11, in the 24, 25, 26, and so on, corresponds pretty well to what we find here at the end of Galatians 1. Um, yeah. And when do you think that starting point is of, um, you know, that he is 
is convert, you know, converted. Like when, what date is that, that he turns to the Lord, the Lord turns him. Yeah. That's... Is that like 34? Like, is it a um, year after Christ? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty soon. Um, it's not, it's not that long. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's certainly in the thirties somewhere. And, and now part of the, part of the thing is that we have to discuss is, okay, well, when did Christ die? <laughs> you know, when yeah. was he crucified? Yeah. And yeah. that uh, was it 30 or 33? Because this, this starts to get into the issues of chronology, right? And so now we're automatically, we're, we're forced to ask, well, when was Christ born? If we want to know how old he was when he died. Yeah. Now, I tend to think Jesus was born in 6 BCE, right? And if he died in 30, that means he was 36 years old when he died. But if he died in 33, it means he was 39, which both of those veer from sort of that traditional idea that uh jesus was 33 when he died right um so yeah, yeah i i don't know what do you i think probably around 33 so i think if if jesus was crucified in 33 then within a year paul has his damascus road uh, experience but if he was crucified in 30 then it's three to four years later that Paul has his Damascus Road experience. So around 33 to 34, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think about the same. Yeah, in terms of Paul, um, this this uh, prophecy that Agabus gave, so Acts eleven twenty eight, uh, you know, he prophesied there would be a great famine. Yeah, and That's, this took I think... place in the reign of in Claudius. Now Claudius. Reign from 41 to 54. Um, it doesn't say that that the that the famine came right away. Yeah. It's simply right. that it would come. <laughs> I think that's Fred what he's referring to in Galatians 2 2 when he says, I went in response to a revelation. Yeah. I think that revelation he's referring mm-hmm. to is the, the one that was received by Agabus. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So the, in other words, the meeting that we're going to get to in chapter two is not the Jerusalem council meeting. It's, yeah. it's prior to it. Uh, that's my take on that as well. Well, we've kind of moved away from the Galatians one twenty one, but we're kind of, we're trying to follow some of the chronology and some of the issues there. You know, a question I have in terms of going to um, Cilicia is, and, and to Tarsus, I mean, Tarsus was a university town. I mean, it was very well known. Um, and I, there's a quote, I'm trying to find it, by one of the historians uh, that is pretty incredible. Um, and I probably won't be able to find it right now. I don't have it pulled up, but uh, maybe I can find it just how educated it was, just how much there was. And so this, the reason this is so important is because there's a debate about whether Paul had formal rhetorical training or formal educational training in classics. And in fact, Mm -hmm. you know, he would have had occasion at this time 
um, if not even before. Uh, he he mentions, you know, he does say, you know, I am from Tarsus. He does mention, you know, that it is a great a great city. So yeah. in terms of its learning, and uh, so I. You know, it doesn't take long to learn certain things. There were handbooks and digests, compendiums of philosophy and rhetoric and other kinds of things. I mean, you could sit down and read the manual of rhetoric that Cicero wrote at the age of, I think, 16 or 18. He wrote it really young. You know, after he came and studied at Rhodes, apparently, he went to the Greek East, studied rhetoric and came back and then wrote his uh, De Inventione was eager to bring it back into uh, uh, Latin, uh, tra- you know, translate into Latin. This is this learning. I mean, it's not a big, difficult read. I mean, you spend an afternoon, you're going to learn a lot about rhetoric. So reading through that. Yeah. So I, I think of it in terms of his education and, and what is he doing at this time? We really don't know what he's doing. We do know that in Antioch, when Barabbas comes and get him, that he's, He's debating, you know, and he's testifying to Jesus. Um, so he's engaged in scripture. I, you know, earlier in Galatians 1, we saw that he went up to Arabia, and which is the likely place of Mount Sinai, right? Mount Sinai's in Arabia. And I think he's having like a spiritual retreat. You know, he's like really seeking after the Lord. He knew scripture already. And I, so I think this is a time of great reflection and consolidation of his learning. And so he's at Antioch again, and then he goes to Cilicia, so uh, Tarsus area. I, I think he's learning. I think he's preparing. Like he knows that he's going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. So what does he need to bone up on, you know, to hone up on? What does he need to uh, prepare for? Yeah, I think he's I think he's drawing up uh, his missionary strategy is, you know, I think I think you're right that he's learning. I think he's I don't know if I'd just say he's on a spiritual retreat. That sounds uh, Arabia initially, maybe. Yeah. um, But I think he is. uh, I think he's I think he's preparing, like strategizing for what he's going to do in terms of. Yeah, like his, where he's going to go in terms of his missionary journeys. Um, and like I, I said before in a previous episode, I think uh, he's, he's searching the scriptures for that. And I think he's, I think he's at home, like, I think he's reading Genesis, <laughs> or at least reflecting on Genesis. Um, uh, now, why is that? Why Genesis in particular? Yeah, so in Genesis 10, we get the uh, Table of Nations. Oh, I see. That's right. And uh, in my view, that's he's using. uh, So, right, he's going back to Genesis because we're going to find out later in the letter that Paul's view is that uh, his fellow Judeans have have misunderstood. They've given prominence to the Mosaic Covenant. And Paul's going to say, hold the phone, right? The, the Abrahamic covenant preceded the Mosaic covenant by more than 400 years. So it takes precedent and priority. And so he's back in Genesis looking at the origins of this, um, starting with Abraham, 
in Genesis 10, the end of Genesis 10, Genesis, sorry, Genesis 11, the end of Genesis 11. And of course, the chapter right before Genesis 11 is Genesis 10, which is the table of nations. I think the table of nations, uh, like I've said before, is what he uses as his missionary strategy. Um, I see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So well, uh, so let's go ahead and take a break here and we'll come back. Well, let's hear from our sponsor. We'll come back and we'll, we'll finish this episode by looking at chapter one, Galatians one twenty two. Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? We here at Glosa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit glosahouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glosa House, language resources for the global community. Welcome back. You're listening to Proof Text, and this is our 51st episode, and yeah. uh, we are working through Galatians. Yeah, and we're right in at the end of chapter one, just a few verses away, and we're going to be looking at 122 at this point, and Paul is in Syria and Cilicia, and then he's going to add something to that information. So he, he went into the regions. And then he said he adds something. What does he add, Michael? Yeah, so he he went into the regions of Syria and Sicily. Sicily, and I got you. You messed me up, dude. You've messed me up. He's in Sicily. Uh, Cilicia. Cilicia. So what do you mean? What does he add? You're looking at verse 22? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the death, right? It's a new development. Oh, okay. All right. I, I was thinking somewhere completely different. He's adding um, a new step, a next yeah, step. And moreover, or additionally, whatever, I was unknown by face, you know, or unknown. Uh, you could do by presence or face there, I suppose, to the assemblies of the Judeans, those in Christ. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So a couple things to, to look at is what is that construction at the start? A main agnaumenos. Yeah, uh, so we're looking here at a present participle. Yeah. Yeah, and what's the construction? So, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean? Periphrastic, right? Also, oh, you have the emi with the yeah the yeah. If it's yeah. a form of emi yeah. with the participle. So yeah, whenever you see participle, you have to ask what construction is it in? What type of participle? And this is a periphrastic. And so it's present. Keeping me on my toes here, man. What? Keeping me on my toes here. Yes, absolutely. This podcast is to keep us on our toes. So I was being unknown. Yeah, I was still unknown. So um, that's what the NASB adds is still, which might suggest an eti, but the eti is not here. So um, they're trying to convey this idea of he was continually not being recognized and then we probably have a dative of of uh respect um with respect to my face by sight Mm. uh the translation says by sight literally face so people didn't know what he looked like 
Okay, so uh, I mean, we still don't know what he looks like. We just have some pictures of him and some descriptions. Apparently, he was balding, short. Yeah, bull-legged. Homely with a big nose. Bull-legged. Yeah, yeah. bull-legged. Apparently. Yeah. 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 So he was being unrecognizable in face, and then assemblies and we've talked about the idea of assemblies the church assembled the governed um assembly the assemblies of the judeans <clears throat> and then what do you do with that extra article tess you have tess and christo how is that functioning yeah uh so it's, it's functioning like sort of those right the the ones mm, okay so you can take it um kind of Making a noun, kind of nominalizing yeah. the in Christo. Yeah, nominalization. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's one possibility. I think another way is to say that it makes the modifier in Christo uh, a modifier, like that is it's tagged as modifying ecclesias, the churches. Mm-hmm. So it puts it into the attributive, second attributive position. And that's probably how I would take it. Is that in other words, it's forming a second attributive position modifying construction so, with so Christo. Tell people what you mean by that. People might not understand. Well, okay. So when you so basically when you have adjectives which modify a noun, any any kind of modifier that modifies a noun, there are certain positions that they can be placed in regarding that noun. And the article here, the test, which is dative plural feminine, the article helps demarcate which position uh, attributively the modifier is in. So the most unmarked is to just have the article, test, then the modifier, adjective or prepositional phrase, and then the noun. So you would squeeze encristo between test and ecclesias. But Paul doesn't use that construction here. Instead, he repeats the article and um, then has encristo. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a way, this is called the second attributive position. Uh, and I think it's a way to stress that modification because it creates a, an unnecessary article. It takes up more space. It's a little bit more difficult cognitively. In, in certain senses, it's it's a little bit more difficult, and and so, but it it uh, yeah, it it highlights the in Christness of these assemblies, and yes. it, it's stressing that more than it would have been if it was simply tes and Christo ecclesias tes iudeas. Yeah. Now, when I first started learning Greek, I was uh, I was taught or given the impression that. Well, word order doesn't matter in Greek. Like words can be in any order. And the more I came to study Greek, the more I realized that's a great fallacy, right? Yeah. And I think maybe a better way to talk about it is word order doesn't determine meaning, but it certainly is still important and determines things like emphasis. And uh, there are certain word orders. I mean, right, the article often tends to precede the noun. The preposition tends to precede the noun, although we, we do have some post-positioning um, in the New Testament. Um, Prepositions, but, yeah. But these sorts of, of 
things as well, right? So word order does matter. It doesn't determine meaning, but it does matter. Yeah, it, it contributes to what's called information structure. So act uh, uh, status, it can help disambiguate reference. Um, there's certain ordering principles for pronouns. This gets into some high-level discourse Greek uh, features kinds of things. Uh, the work of Stephen Levinson, for example, uh, Discourse Features of the Greek New Testament. It's a great book, really uh, important to work through, but he he tries to, to, to nail this down and, and, and come up with some rules to uh, explain these kinds of things. What's in focus? What's uh, continuing in focus? That kind of thing. So, yeah, word order. Some of it is constructional, uh, but I, I think in Greek, it tends to think of things in, in chunks. So uh, typically, paraphrastic participles that are working with the form of emi typically are close by to each other, uh, but they can switch in order. Sometimes the participles place fronted, and I would say that's for stress stress on that verbal uh, attribute that's ascribed to the subject. And the paraphrastic construction is often uh, not needed. Like it's, it's a special construction, but you can, you can switch the order of the two, you know, the two components. And then sometimes you can have intervening uh, modifiers and objects. And uh, then, then the participle can be really, moved far away from the emi verb that it's working with. And in some, Stanley Porter says the, he questions those, those instances as really being paraphrastic. He's like, there's something else going on there. So, you know, that's a matter of debate, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's, there's uh, typically think in terms of chunks of things that belong together. Prepositional phrases will kind of chunk them the things belonging to the prepositional phrase and the modifiers of the elements of the prepositional phrase, those will be together. Um, things, uh, once you have a subordinate clause like a OT clause or a OTA or any kind of subordinating conjunction, the things that belong in that clause tend to be within that clause. Now you can pull things out into the front and that would be again for stress. Uh, that is not doesn't happen that often, but you, I can we can look at examples of that. So yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to make a couple of points here before we wrap up. Um, there's something rhetorical going on here. Uh, twenty two is connected to twenty four, and of course, sandwich in between is twenty three. Of course, we haven't read twenty three and twenty four yet. But Paul is saying, here, I was personally unknown by face to the churches or assemblies of Judea that are in Christ, or those in Christ. And he's going to offer, he's going to make a rhetorical move, right? Um, there's sort of a contrast here. I mean, if you just skip 23 and go right from 22 to 24, I was personally unknown to them, 24, and they praise God because of me. Well, that's interesting. Um, mm -hmm. 23... Right. So what's interesting, particularly to me about it, is that the, the assemblies in Judea changed. And remember, you're not supposed to change unless it's from vice to virtue. Right. So the, he, he highlights or underscores their change first. 
And then in 23, he's going to make the rhetorical move to describe his own change, right? Um, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching. So you're asking, what was he doing there? I think he was preaching. It tells us here. Uh, yeah. part, at least part of what he was doing. Yeah, I think he was studying. I think he was strategizing for his missionary uh, journey, but he was also preaching. Yeah, and he started doing that right from the very start. If you go to Acts, he's uh, he's he's gets right in there and uh, gets into the scuffle and debate. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, I think we, um, yeah, I think we've talked about the uh, the main elements here of twenty one and twenty two. Um, yeah. So let me. I have a parting shot for us. Good. So the world, what the world neglects, the Lord accepts. Hmm. Deborah Brody. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's relevant here because uh, Paul was potentially a, a rejected, but uh, the Lord accepted him. All right. Well, Fred, thank you. Uh, and thank you all for listening. We hope that you'll tune into the next episode. And hey, uh, feel free to share the podcast. Help spread the word. Uh, we want to get good, solid uh, scripture teaching into uh, out to as many people as we can. So help spread the word. And we'd really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah. So, Fred, thanks a lot. You're welcome, Michael. Take care, everybody. We look forward to having you listen to us next time.